I'm Eddie Rowley, and you're listening to My Country Life, a podcast that takes you backstage and into the real lives of Ireland's country music kings and queens. Each podcast in this series features a country star opening up the doors to their past and taking us on their personal journey into the spotlight. Along the way, they reveal their highs and lows, happiness and heartaches, and their struggle to find success. Joe Dolan was one of Ireland's greatest ever entertainers. He was our Elvis Presley, our first pop star. He performed on BBC's Top of the Pops, toured the world as an international star, played in Las Vegas, and had a string of hits that included The Answer to Everything, Make Me an Island, Lady in Blue, and Good Looking Woman. One man who stood alongside him for 50 years as a performer was his brother Ben. Here, in a two-part My Country Life podcast, as we reach the 15th anniversary of Joe's death, Ben shares his personal memories of growing up with Joe in their native Mullingar and reveals their early adventures as musicians. This is My Country Life, a Sunday World podcast. Welcome to the Sunday World podcast, My Country Life, and you're a country man and you are the brother of Joe Dolan, as everyone, as everyone knows, stood by his side. You nearly reared him. Uh, you've had a fantastic life together. But can I take you back to the very start? Uh, just a, a little bit. We chat about your uh, your early family life. Your your mother uh, was uh, she was a milkmaid around these parts. Well, Ellen, Ellen, Ellen was. Uh, I suppose in her younger days she was a singer because in Welchestown where the graveyard is, where Joe is buried, and where my mother is buried, my father is buried, and all belonging to us, Vincent, the brothers, all belonging to us are buried in Welchestown graveyard. But as a young lady, my mother used to sing in that church because she was from that area, Welchestown, outside Mullingar. So, I mean, she 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 was always, I suppose, singing songs, you know, but she, she liked... Uh, Kind of semi-classical songs she liked. I don't mean that she was pushing us to get in the band business mm. because one time Joe and myself were at home and she says, my God, she says, if you fellas can play in a band, that's something. You, know what I mean? like she, you were that she bad. Was, she wasn't present. She wasn't now. impressed. No, she wasn't present. <laughs> so your mother and father, she was a milkmaid though, wasn't she? And she, met, she, she was a milkmaid. Well, originally, probably yeah. in the early days, she used to deliver the milk. And met yeah. your father who was from a farming background. No, but he's up, he's only up from, well, I mean, the milk was from her, both of them were from Canada, the same small farmers. Yeah. The two of them were. Yeah. When my father was from Port Loman, which is just nearly beside Welchestown, is about, about. He didn't go too far to look for a wife. But that time, of course, there was no motor cars. Yeah. You know, and if you had a bicycle, you were you had something. Yes. So I mean, maybe he had a bike that he could. But he lived, he lived very near the shore of the lake, the shore of Lacoul, and I think my mother and her friends would be going to the lake for a day out, and she probably met my father. Now she said she told me one time that she says she, that she he was the man for her, you know. Yeah, now, yeah. Uh, I suppose they got married and had an army of kids. Yeah, had nine children, you know. And I mean, it was after after war time. It was well, they got married in nineteen twenty, but then in nineteen twenty thirty thirty nine, they say we'll say from about thirty eight, he had a bicycle shop. 
in town, in Mullingar. Your father? Yeah, yeah. down in Nassau-Friar Street. Yeah. But, I mean, that's where I was born, in Nassau-Friar Street. And the whole family, well, up up to two, there was two of them born after we left there, Vincent and Joe, were after that. Yeah. But there, what we left, when we left that place uh, down there, he had a bicycle shop, but as I say, the war started. And and uh, coming up to the war, you couldn't even get a ball burn. So, of course, the bicycle shop was going down the hill, down the hill. And next minute, anyway, they had to get out of where he was. They didn't know on the property where they were. So he had to get out of there. And then they went back. And then we, they went out to live in my mother's home place for a short time. And after that, then... We uh, well, we moved over to over to Grange, which is just we, outside Mullingar. Just yeah. outside Mullingar, we stayed there for a while. Now they were they were growing up, and some of them, the first to leave the house, I think, was a brother of mine, James. He went to no, sorry, a sister of mine. She went to Coventry, and she became a nurse, and it was great celebration in the house. The day she sent the letter back, I'm an SRN. Right. Stiff registered nurse. Very good. My mother was as proud as punch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, she was an SRN. And of course, she was smart. And then she did, she was a QNS, which is a Queen's nurse and sister. And then she was a, a midwife. And then she was the district nurse in Coventry right. on her bicycle. Right. Yeah. This, was, this was all, she went in about 1940, 42. So it was during the war. I mean, it was being bombed in Coventry at the time. Yeah. But anyway, that's that was kind of the horror history. And then a brother went off and he joined the Air Force in England. It was James. He's also dead and dead and gone now. Who were all your, what were their names? And Which? Yeah, all your brothers and sisters. Well, there was Dimpley, James, Paddy, Eta, Amelda, Vincent, Ben, and Joe. And there was a there was Michael who died when he was four year old or something like that. Okay. That would have been in the early days of the family. So yourself and Joe were the the youngest of the of the clan. Well, no, there's Vincent between us. Like there was there was Joe as the youngest, then Vincent, and then me. Okay. I mean, I'm five years older than Joe. Yeah. All the time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I know that your your mother tried to encourage Joe. Uh, she 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 got a piano down from Walton's at one stage. She was a widow at this stage. Oh, she was. Yeah. Well, I mean, she used to, she used to be all. I mean, Joe was the youngest, so he really didn't see much much hardship. You know what I mean? Yes. Like when yeah. money was scarce and whether this you were going to get this, you were going to get that. You know what I mean? Yeah. He whatever was going, he probably got it. So he didn't notice that much. You know, yeah. but even in nearly in any family, if you talk to the oldest and then talk to the youngest, you nearly think they never live together. You know what yes. I mean? Like to be that much of a, because your mind stays with your own age group. Yeah. And probably he probably didn't even know some of the el- the oldest members of the family all that well. Well, not that well, but he did. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, because you all come home on holiday and that yeah. type of thing yeah. from over the years. When Joe, when Joe died... Mm. Dimpley died, Isa died, Amelda died, uh, Paddy died, and Vincent died. It's incredible. All in 10 years yeah. from when Joe died. Yeah. Now I'm the last man standing. Yeah. 
and I'm not definitely not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, no well, matter, un unless it's to a gig. <laughs> no matter, well, no matter who calls me, if if the gigs keep coming in, sorry I can't, God, I can't afford to go to die. You sorry know, God, I have a gig. Not, not for the money. I have a gig in Cork tonight, but, God. But, <laughs> no, not for the money, but for the pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Joe uh, and yourself, you you were you showed musical interests. Uh, early, early on. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose when we when we kind of started going to dances and you begin to hear the bands. And, now, I mean, we were young at the time, as it was. I mean, I would have been 17 and, I mean, I probably heard the Clipper Carrollton in the, the County Hall. First, the the first show band. For the, yeah, and I thought they were fantastic all together. Um, but, you know, you, you, you learned the saxophone. No, but there was a fiddle in our house. Right. Always, and we're, we're always fiddling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Someone would get the fiddle and they'd be tuning and tuning. The next thing, of course, someone would say it was out of tune and they tighten the strings up and the neck broke off the fiddle because tightened the strings too much. So that was the end of the fiddle. And then I bought an accordion. I thought I used to fancy myself, you know, a tango. You know, but of course... <laughs> That was all. That was hard work when I got the accordion. But Joe used to have it and as well. And I used to be given, go home and he'd be out and I'd say, put that down. That's mine, you know what I mean? Yes. But anyway, that was that. Was there. And then after that, there was a fellow in Mullingar called Denny Hughes, who was a sax player, which was a great sax player. And I mean, he used to he used to play at all the, the local hops, he used to call in Mullingar. That was 8 to 12, half a crown to get in. But he used to play at these... All the time, but I thought I used to think he was really good. So I gathered a few pounds at the time and I gave it to Dinny Hughes and I said, Would you buy me a saxophone? To Dinny. So, so Dinny, anyway, I don't know, six months later or something, arrived with this saxophone for me. It was a white plastic sax. So, of course, I thought to myself, I was going to be <clears throat> the bee's knee at it, you know. So Dinny and he pointed, gave me a few pointers. Went to him and had a couple of lessons off him and uh, thought to myself, well, I'm not doing too bad. I went then for the town band. I went to join the town band in Mullingar. And when I went down, the man that was over it was Johnny Darcy. And I says, I want to join the band. And Johnny Darcy says, you want to join the band? He says, he says I know why you want to join the band. Why, says I? He says, you want to learn a little bit, he says, and then you're going to go off and play with a dance band. Well, I thought, how does he think of that? You know what I mean? Because I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, so he didn't give, he didn't take me into the band, which was the pity. Looking back, it was an awful pity that that he didn't take me in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, well, as time went on... You did okay anyway. We did. Ah, oh, no, we did okay. But as well as that, all Paddy's kids... Were in the town band. My kids, Adrian and Raymond, they were in the town band. All belonging to me were in the town band. Yeah. You know, the brothers, the sisters, kids, all were in the town band. And they all did. I mean, most of them, Vincent went off. Vincent was was uh, in the town band and he went off. He made his living. He's retired mm -hmm. now. And then there were, I mean, they all. They all did very well out of the music. Yeah. You yeah. know. Joe, your mother sent Joe to Molly Carroll for piano well, lessons. Well, Molly Carroll was in Patrick Street and we used to go home through Patrick Street from school. But anyway, she got him in 
and he was learning learning the piano. But one day, I don't know, after about a month or something or a couple of months, he met she met Molly and she says, my mother says, how's Joe getting on? She says, Mrs. Dolan, I haven't seen Joe for the last month. And Joe used to come home and my mother would say, we in for a, a practice? Yeah. He used to swear, you know, oh yeah. Like, you know. But anyway, she got the piano announced, announced to the lot of us. I don't know what she paid for at the time. From I think it was maybe a hundred pounds or a hundred and twenty pounds, which was a lot of money. For a widow uh, woman. Yeah. Yeah. So to to get together. But she, she bought it in Walton's. But it arrived, I remember what I still have it out of the house, the same piano out of the house. But I mean it's it's madly out of tune in that now. Well it's in the garage. Right. Which is yeah. which is bad, you know. But uh, she had it anyway, and of course, when Joe came home anyway, she says, Joe was surprised to see this piano. And when he came in, she says, you're, you're going to play something for us, Joe. Yeah, he says. So he sat down at it, and he, he tiddled at it for a few minutes. And then he went and played. Da, 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 Ah, he says, I'm not playing anymore. <laughs> he, 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 he lost the track. Do you know what I mean? That's as far as he, he hadn't won. learned. He hadn't been going he, for the lessons. He wasn't going for the lessons. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was the end. I'm not playing anymore. And he banged down the top of it. She was highly disgusted. Do you know what I mean? Who's that lady on her own? I wish that she would love my way. She just stands there Now, she used to, she herself used to write to Walton's for the music, piano copies of songs. And one, one fellow will say that was, was uh, Joe Lynch. You mightn't have heard. Joe Lynch, he was a singer, but he was an actor. He was in... Glen Rowe. Glen Rowe and that type of thing. But Joe Lynch, was, when he was a singer, he sang, It's well I know that often folks keep wondering... When in my eyes a far-off look they see What can it be the cause of all my dreaming? It's that lovely cottage by the lee It was the cottage by, by the, the lee. lee was the name of the song. Yeah. But Joe Lynch, but my mother wrote to the Walton for the piano copy. So she had the piano copy at home. She could read and music. She, and she, yeah, so she's, she's picking out that. But she used to just get piano copies of songs that we didn't know. But I remember that pe- co- Cottage by the Lee was one that she really had, that she had off, yeah. you know, in yeah. the house. But like that, I mean, it was, we were all only fiddling about here and there, you know what I mean? Yeah. You were a carpenter. I was working, I was serving me time to the carpentry, and Joe was serving his time. As a printer. As, as a printer. It, you know what I mean? But yeah. anyway, that, like he had a job. Yeah. And I mean, I had a job, but I mean, my job was, my job was two half crowns for the week. Right. In my job at, that, the, at the time. Was it good money then? It wasn't, it was dread money, but you had to pay to, to get. Oh, yeah. Serve, serve, no serve more than time. today. Uh-huh. If you want to become something today, you have to pay for it. You yeah. know, 
Yeah. But at that time, any less, they would take you in. I mean, they might be looking for £100 a year for you to serve your time. Okay. But I mean, that time, £100 was pie in the sky. You know, there were there were numbers we could talk about. You know, we used to be making it up, you know, a hundred, a thousand, a million, a billion, a trillion, a zillion, a dillion. We used to be... <laughs> Did you ever get there? <laughs> but it, meant, it, meant, it meant nothing. Only just that we were that smart, we could we could talk about all these figures. You know? But but Joe was missing was missing out on work because of late nights. Well, then when we well originally, the first the first date we got it wasn't a date, but there was a fella called Eddie Dehe who was a drummer, and Eddie Dehe got a job playing at a wedding, and he asked me would I go with him. And he asked Joe, and he asked Tom, Tom, uh, Neddy Riley, I think was the other fella, from Mullingar, and we went and we played at this wedding. Now it was, there was no rehearsal or anything else, like, you know, it was, you know, but your man was on the drums. But you see, if you have a good drummer, you're in business, at the dance business, you know. Yeah. But his, no, the drummer's the thing, like, you get a good swing drummer, you know, that people can dance to. You can sing as much as you like. You can do it. They'll all love everything else. But I mean, once the, once you can dance, yeah. you know, once, like the once, you get right. the, once you get the drum, the drum in, yeah. they all... But anyway, your man was, was a very steady drummer. Now, most of the lads in town were Midland because all they would play at the time was a waltz or, I mean, or maybe a quick step. They were the two, two things to, to, to play, you know. Yeah. But they were all kind of middling fellas. No more than the rest of us. But but your man, anyway, we got the job with him. But anyway, we did that job and everyone says we were great. But they were all drunk, of course, at this stage, you know. <laughs> but, you know, when people tell you you're great, after a while you begin, you, you really begin to believe it. Do you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I don't mean now, yeah. but that time when you're a young fella, and people say it because you begin to think, Jesus, I mean, we were, this was all right. And what I did was okay, you know. So anyway, we we were we, we were playing with an old band in, in what do you call it? And we used to go on a motor car, eight, ten of us, not eight, eight of us in, in this motor car, four in the front and four in the back of a motor car and a bit of gear on the roof of the van and the roof of the car. But I mean, I got a brainwave then. I thought if I could get a minibus, would the fella on the band, would he hire me? So I thought, I, I says to Henny, if I had a minibus, Henny, would you would you hire me instead of hiring uh, One of the other guys. Paddy Callahan's car, you know? He says, uh, yeah, well, he says, yeah, yeah, Ben, yeah, I would. So anyway, I got a few pounds together and I bought a minibus. I mean, I, I bought a crock first and pushed it home and there was no use. And then I bought another one for a couple of hundred pounds off a fella and used it for the band until the band were played a few nights. This other band, they played a few nights and then they turned around and they says, I was getting all the money. But there was a brother of his used to drive the, the hired car who wasn't needed now because I was driving. So they kicked that they weren't going anymore with me. <laughs> so, Jesus. Talk about, but anyway, I had to get, 
I had to get them, try to satisfy them to go. That one day they just came out and says, we're not going. And I met the old fellow, they're on the band down the town. And I says to him, Henny, I says, the boys are not going to play in the band tonight. And he was half jarred. And he says to me, Ben, sure you'll get me someone, he says. And I thought, Jesus, where am I going to get anybody? I mean, there was nobody. Like, it wasn't like now there's several fellas around town. But anyway, I says, the boys came out and I pleaded with them and everything else. We wound up anyway. They all went that night. And then when we come home, I was thinking of starting the band at this time myself. I was either being in, in Moat a couple of weeks before that and Moat opened up and I brought a load out of Mullingar of 12 or 14 in the, down to the dance in Moat. And I was sitting beside this lassie waiting for the, the thing to start and she, she told me she was from Castletown Gagan. And I says, you know, and she says, we're running the dance out there. Maybe you'd come out. I says, when are you running the dance? This was in about October at this time. She says, uh, I'm running the dance the 10th of January and it's the Irish Country Women's Association. She says, I have a band. Have you, says she? Well, I'll book you. She says, well, I says, that's good. The 10th of January. Anyway. What year was this? That was... That was 1959. Right. So I went, I went, went, came home, and the next day I said to Joe, I got a date. A date for what? He says, a date for the band. I says, we're going to start a band. Aren't we out there talking about it? Oh, yeah, yeah, Joe says, right. He says, you know, I says, uh, I got the date off this one. But this was in October, November, December, January. So I thought to myself, Jesus, well, surely I would keep going by that time. But anyway... I told the lads, and we used to have a bit of rehearsing. Actually, lads, in out there where where we have the disco now was a cinema, where we have the pub built, was a cinema, and we used to we used to practice out there in the cinema. And the cinema was a real rundown building, but there was no electricity in it. But because the fellow that owned it was up the front. I mean, he's dead and gone now, so I can talk. A fella called Joe Healy. Now, was a really lovely fella and was always, like, he gave us, gave us the place to practice. But that time you could get no place to practice, you know. But there was no windows in it. It was an awful, you know, freezer. But anyway, he says, I says to him one day, I went in and there was a, he had a, he had a shop at the front, a saddlery, making horses collars and, stuff for horses, you know, a saddlery they called it. But down at the bottom of it there was kind of a it wasn't a stone wall down at the end of it. And I thought to myself Jeez, that's the cinema's next to this and I got a screwdriver and a, and a board a hole in the, in the oak and I looked down and here's the cinema is outside it. So so I got I got a bit of wire when there was nobody around. And put a plug on the end of it and plugged it into the socket then and put it out the fire side and put a plug on it out. So when we come down, I had the power outside. Nobody ever nobody, nobody, nobody ever said anything about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but just that's how that's how we got the power. Yeah. The power into it. So like all this belonged to the to the same lad. This this building and where we're chatting, we're chatting here in, in Mullingar. At, in 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 your oh, this, in the recording studio. Yeah, well, this is a recording your, studio, but yeah. it's kind of connected. 
yeah. connected with our disco here. With the Mojos is our disco. Yeah. And then it's connected to Dolan's Bar. Yeah. With the Bar and Lounge up the front. Yeah. Um, and it's all in the one street. You so know. It all kicked off from here. It all kicked. It all definitely all kicked off from here. Yeah. 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 But anyway, Joe Joe Healy was Joe was a grateful at the time, and Joe Healy had a thing that was very scarce at the time. Was called a tape recorder. Right. And I mean, I used to get the loan of it off Joe to play the tunes that you'd be learning the words of, you know. But then, I mean, there's there a whole rake of things that happened at that time. We, in the, I changed something, I got a better van. And in the new van, there was a second one, of course. In the new van I bought, this was very early days, This uh, I was at home cleaning it out. And I noticed that. The thing, the fella took the spotlights that was on it. I bought it off fell in the dark. The two spotlights that was on the front, the mark was on the bumper where they were missing, you know. And I rang him and I says, I, I cleaned out the van and I found a, a banjo under the seat and a case full of piano copies of uh, Traveling Light and the, and the chords on it in the O's. And Joe at this stage, had a, had a guitar, was at the band the guitar. But anyway, he, he uh, I found this and I just rang your man and I said, I'm at the finding the guitar and a case of music in the back of the van. You know, Jesus, great. He says, will you send it to me? I will, he says, will you send me back to do spot lamps that was on the front? Huh? Oh, he says, they weren't part of the deal. Well, he says, I says, I didn't see them marks when I was buying it, but I see the marks where they're missing. But I'll tell you, sure, if you send it down, I'll send them up to you. Never heard of them after. So here I'm left with the banjo and a case full of music. Sheet music. So Joe gets it out and he's, he's <laughs> traveling light and, you know, uh, Cliff Richards. All the hits of the day. King, Kings, yeah. Oh, well, they were all the hits of the day, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, then that was, that was used as part of the great future. Yes, you know to build but, to build your music on. But you just tell me about the van as well. You you were saving up for that van and storing your music, your your notes, your 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 well cash in well, a piano, well I, in a piano. I was saving, I was saving for it. But you see where we lived, where we lived out, there used to be there used to be loads of fellas called at the house. I mean, friends or neighbours, they would call. But there was several different fellas that played a bit of music would call in. You know, but I, 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 that was even, even before what I'm talking about. Yeah. That before buying the van, uh, I had a few pounds and there was a fellow living in Palmerstown and I used to go up to him on a Saturday. We'd go around the garages to see 200 pounds I had. You'd go around the garages to see was there anything for sale. But I went several times and then there was a, a lapse. I didn't get a van and I put the money into the piano, into the, top of the piano and closed it down. Now, there was nobody in the house. My mother was dead at the time. There was nobody in the house when he joined myself. You know, he became a great cook because when we go home in the evening, I'd say, just John Burston to go to the loo. And I mean, you had to go to the lavatory. And by the time I'd be enjoyed of the fire lit and the pan on, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that'd be it. But anyway, that went on. That went on with Joe until he got to the stage. He got the sack out the job for not going to work because we were doing an odd night with the band and he got the sack. So he went to live with a brother of mine, Paddy. 
who used to get him up in the morning to go to work. And that left me on my own in the house, you know. But anyway, the, the, uh, I put the money in the piano. But after about three weeks or four weeks, I went to get the money. And when I picked it up, Jesus, it all fell on the ground. And I thought, I thought Joe was out doing something. But it was, it was doubled over. And it was cut as clean as a whistle like there. And the half was gone. And I took the front off the piano. It was full of confetti. All the money, you know. Now, I think there was there was uh, £60 left or that. And the other halves were all left. So, just I didn't know what I was going to do. But I went into the bank with it. And but, the, but and what had happened to the money? Well, the money I got, the, I mean, I went into the bank and showed them it. And they had to wait for 12 months to get the money. But I, but I wound up anyway... That I, that I wound up getting the money. I had enough and I saved up again the few pound, whatever we'd be getting. But anyway, it was, it was uh, I had a brother in Canada, Vincent at the time, but I was doing a job in, a, in, in Walsh's uh, shop. We were doing, Frank Mulligan and myself, we were putting in counters and doing up the shop, you know, shop fitting at this stage. And they used to have a, a paper shop you know, and the the woman that was in it used to write bits for the papers. But I went in and I was telling them what was either happening about the York. And she wrote a bit and it went to the paper. But it, it was picked up all over the world. And your man in Canada, Vincent, sent it to me. And the heading of it was, Mouse in Piano Strikes Wrong Note. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it was a mouse that done it. Just a mouse. But we'll tell you, I have to tell you, even though it's not. The mouse, I knew the mouse was in it. And Joe and myself, were there and I had the trap and we took the front off the piano and you could see all the keyboard along like that and I set the trap and put it in the middle and the two of us were sitting back and we had a range at the house you know well that was the central heating that was the heating of everything yeah. the range we were sitting back and we were watching and the next thing the mouse comes up on the side of the piano and he tipped down long 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 and he stood for a minute at the trap and he took a spell and he ran down and into this end. And do you know, my heart was, was going like that, like going like that, do you know? <laughs> like, I nearly thought, jeez, if he gets killed, it'll be shocking, do you know? <laughs> like, but anyway, we waited and he comes up under here and down again and up again. And the next time he's coming down, he stopped at the trap Jesus, oh, when the trap went like that. You nearly got a heart attack. It was the same as it was back in my neck. The got, got caught. The poor little mouse, you know. But anyway. And then you decided to go on the road as the drifters. Well, then we, no, but then, then that time, that time we were, that time I says, well, you know, we named this band. No. I mean, I wanted to call it Dolan's, but I couldn't because the other guys wouldn't come play with you. You know, they'd say, I'm not going to be a Dolan, a Dolan heir, you know, or whatever it is. You know. But anyway, I was trying to think of something, something D, you know. And I think, and I'm looking through the dictionary, and I came, now it wasn't because there was drifters in America. I never heard of them, tell you the truth. And Cliff Richard had a band called Drifters at the time, but he changed it. But I didn't know... I really didn't know anything about because the radio you didn't get any music around in that time. Yeah, you know it was all Charlie McGee and his gay guitar, 
Remember, yeah. you wouldn't remember him, <laughs> but he was on the radio yeah. tonight. Today we have Charlie McGee and his gay guitar. Right. And he'd sing, he used to sing all the Irish songs. Different eyes, different size, different girls every day. Different names, different games. Took my breath clean away, but I'm changed. Well, even going back further than that, the sawmill was kind of my first taste of rhythm. Okay. Because in the sawmill, in, we had a sawmill in Mullingar, Flanagan sawmill, and there was one big engine, a steam engine, used to drive the whole sawmill. But in the sawmill, they made, they made ta- chairs and tables, and they made different type, but chairs were their big thing, kitchen chairs. You know, by the mile, they used to make them. But anyway, there was there was a turner there, a fella on a lathe, uh, the sawyers, fellas cutting saws, fell on a bandsaw for the different shapes and all that. They were all on the one thing. But you know, when you when that time there was one big pipe coming down the middle of the the, the factory, like down one, and you had a, you'd put a wheel on it. Now for for the, all the saws would be at a different speed. But I mean, there were, it was a technical job for the fellow that was doing it. But all the belts were put together with clips. Like they weren't a continuous belt. They were all cut that size and they were clipped together. But it was like on the railway, you know, you heard the da-da-dum, da-da-dum on the railway. But when all these things were going, you know, I knew in there, and all the, the sounds were all different, you know, it was ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-
And it was inside and uh, what do you call him? Joe Loss comes to the stage and they all come out. And this fella came out anyway with a tall hat and a swallowtail coat. Now at this stage I used to be listening to the local bands and that type of thing. But he came out anyway to start it up. The band played the introduction. Your man, the singer, took the mic and he sang Oh Moby Dick was so big and slick the biggest ever seen. He'd sink a ship with a one big flick of his mighty, mighty tail. Well, I thought it was the greatest thing, lads, I ever heard in my life. I know, can't you? Yeah. I was crying. I was that excited yeah. about it, you know. Yeah. But anyway. How did the Drifters develop then as a group? Well, then we called it, we called it that. And then fellas, fellas that were in it, you know, like all... Nobody wanted, they only wanted one date. They were all working. We were all working. Right. But all they wanted was one date. And then... In the week. In the week. Yeah. So, I mean, you'd be lucky to get one. You'd be lucky to get one a week. But at the beginning, the first year, we probably got 10 dates or 12 dates. I mean, there was... There was the first day we played was in Castledown Gagan that we got a tenor for from that woman that we got the date of. You know, but I mean, 10 pound... Like, she'd need us to make up £10 or half a crown. <laughs> you mm, know, yeah. there was going to be a few in it. But anyway, that was, rock and roll was kind of coming in at that time. And I filled the van going to Castledown with as many followers as I could get in Bullingar, women and fellas and anything, all crushed into the wagon and let them all out outside of Castledown. And they went in and the priest left note. We weren't to be hired anymore. All the women were jiving at the time, Rock and roll was in, you know. Yes. And they were swinging and the clothes were going up. The, the priest out there was very strict. Scarce flying you know. didn't, he didn't <clears> Oh, he didn't it. want that. I mean, it was immodest, yeah. you know. But anyway. And how did Joe emerge then as, you know? Well, I mean, as, as, as we went along, uh, I, nearly at that time, Joe was down in, in Galway. He went for his holidays and he came back. and He says to me, I'm going to buy a guitar. He saw some fella playing a guitar in a pub or something. I'm going to buy a guitar. I says, how much have you? I have nothing, he says. I says, but he was working at the time. He was in the, you know. I says, why? What did you do with the money? I was in Galway. He says, a week's holidays. He says, I spent every shilling I had. But he says, I'm going to go to Dublin. And I had an old guitar I bought off a fella for a pound. He was coming from England. He got drunk and fell. Come back, burst on it. So I was in the way of sticking it back on in the carpet. You know what I mean? So I stuck the back on and that type of thing. But I had it in the house. Again, couldn't play it, but uh, gave it to Joe. And Joe said, I'm going to Dublin to buy a guitar. To buy, to buy a guitar? I said, Jesus Christ. Anyway, I thought I'd say nothing about it. But I gave him the, the guitar and he went off. And he arrived home with a new guitar and an amplifier, a red amplifier. It's still in Mullingar, some group. Because it passed down from one young fella to the next. Yeah. But this this guitar, I, I can't remember what they I mean, I don't have I don't have the original guitar, but Joe's the guitar he used the stages out there in, in the York. But anyway, he uh, he he arrived he arrived home with this and I thought, how much was it? <clears throat> I think he told me it was seventy pounds or something for <clears throat> for the two. And I says, Where did you get it? Was it in Walton's? No, he says, it was in, what was that, the crowd in Dublin? The crowd on the south side. Anyway, 
it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, anyway, I says to him, I says, I says, uh, I think the fellow's name was Tim that was in it. He says, he says, this fellow that was there, he says, he showed me to do and he gave me this and everything else. And he told me, and I says, how'd you get home? <clears throat> he says, he gave me a, <clears throat> he gave me a pound for your guitar, he says, to get a train home. <laughs> 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 you might, he didn't trade it in. Yeah. You might give him a pound. Plus the guitar. You know. No, I mean, it was paid for. Yeah. I can't, I don't know why or how, but I never, it never worried me after that. There was never a word of anybody looking for money. Yeah. So it definitely was paid for. Yeah. That was in, not Walton's was on one side, Walton's and. Piggott's. Piggott's? Piggott. Piggott McCullough. Yeah. yeah, they were called Piggott McCullough. They were on the other side yeah. of the city, the south side. But anyway, that's where he got that, Piggott. But there was a fellow in there, Tim. And I think how Joe knew his name was that we were with, with the fellow in Mullingar that played an accordion. But he was in Dublin one day and he was talking, the name Tim, he was talking about, and he had this new, new, new accordion, Scandelli. Jesus, lads, he says, I have a scandelli. That's how I remember it. I mean, how I remember the name of him. Yeah. But I mean, he was, now he was, he was good enough, good enough playing the, the bits of waltzes or whatever you'd be learning at the time. But it was a scandelli, which was about that size, you know. <laughs> Tommy Farrell. And um, how did, did he teach himself the guitar then? Then that's how we, yeah. yeah. When he got it, didn't he? He got the organ and he made he had the book and he got the chords. Right. Nearly like the same as every fella. Yeah. Other than that there was nobody around to actually teach you. Yeah. You know, but I mean like I mean, he probably he probably had, had the piano and then he had the yoke. You know what I mean? Yes. So yeah. he he played the guitar, we'll say from until the band broke up. Now we'll say had the we had the drifters going. And then after about four years which would be all 60, 61, 62, maybe 62. But then, I mean, a fella left and we'd have to get somebody else. And then we got into the band, we got Joey Galini and Tommy Swarbrick around the same time. That was trumpet and trombone. And But even even, bef even before that, you know, bass guitars weren't in bands at the time. And... <clears throat> They were brand new. But anyway, I says to one of the fellas in our very early band, I was talking to Joe, if we got a bass guitar player, it'd be great, you know. So I says to Sean Connolly, this fella that told me Drifters was a, <laughs> a layabout, he says, uh, I says to him, we can, we're thinking of getting a, a, a bass guitar player. A bass guitar player, he says. And the first thing he says to me, that's one more mouth to feed, <laughs> he says to me. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah. Or he says, how are you going to carry it? Oh, no, it's a bass guitar. He says, not, not even. But we're, Joe and myself were sitting down and we're trying to think, who'd play the bass guitar, you know? Who'd be round that might be good? We couldn't think of anyone. But there was a lad who lived next door to us, a young fella. And I don't know whether Joe says or I says, what about Jimmy Horn? Jimmy Horn, just say yeah. I'll ask him. So I met Jimmy, and I says, I says to Jimmy, would you play with a band, Jimmy? Yeah. What do you want me to do? Well, I says you have to be the bass player. 
oh, 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 bass player, yeah. Right, he says. But anyway, Joe went to Dublin and bought a bass guitar, came home and gave it to Jimmy Horn. And Jimmy at the time was working in Lipton's across the road here. And, and I says to him, what are you doing Lipton's, Jimmy? Well, he says, my first job on a Monday morning, he says, is wash the sausages. <laughs> it was a grocery store. Make them look fresh. Right. You know? But anyway, I mean, Jimmy came. And the first, the first night Jimmy was with us, we were in the local Protestant hall, the Mullingar here, the parochial hall, and a brother of mine hired it for a Patrick's night. And we're down to play anyway. And whatever the band, now this was before Tommy Swarwick or that. But anyway, whatever, we had the job anyway, and, and we didn't play, and Jimmy was the bass player. He only had got the day before, you know, before, but Joe was trying to tell him something, like, you know. But anyway, he had it, he's plugged in and everything. And of course, all the sisters were all, I had all Jimmy's sisters there. And the, they lived next door to Odin, 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 you But anyway, he says, uh, the crowd, yeah, there was a great crowd in the place, you know. And Joe was really flying, singing these songs and swinging with the you know, next thing, broke his guitar lead, broke. And he walked over to Jimmy and took the lead out, out of Jimmy's <laughs> bass and put into his. And, and after the, the, the women were saying, Jimmy was fantastic. And he was plugged out. <laughs> you know, but I mean. Yeah. Oh, just, I mean, when you think about it. Yeah. You know, but as far as I was concerned, it was very serious business. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, every, like, I mean, everything kind of happened. That way, gradually. Gradually, you know? yeah. But then Joe was very popular. Yes. Nearly, nearly with people that I didn't know in the town. Now, it was only five years between us. Mm. But, I mean, he would palling, be palling around with people that were five years younger than me, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, or I'd be knowing the people that were there. But anyway, he was around. But then, when, like in Joe's early days, there was a thing used to come to town. It was... Uh, uh, not not a circus, but a plays a roadshow, right? And there were there were fossils. I don't know who they were. Some roadshow. They came to town anyway, and they used to have a, a talent competition. And Joe was in the talent competition, and as far as I can remember, he sang "Mash is making eyes at me" was the name of the song he sang, and all he wouldn't would be, know was a bit of it. But of course, he got a tremendous reception. But the next. The next thing after that was Beginner's Please was in the County Hall, which was before the band started as well, was Beginner's Please. And that was run by Roy Croft, was the man that was over it, from RTE. But down that time there was this. And anyway, there was a whole lot of singers and Joe was in it, singing. And It was like the X Factor type it was thing. like the X Factor. Yeah. But Joe was in the singing. But, but what do you call it? They says, they said they want no cheering, nothing else, only applause, you know. But anyway, uh, different fellas got up and singing. Of course, you couldn't quite in the crowd. But anyway, they, they were cheering. And they, there was a fella there, <laughs> Mulligan was his name. And uh, he, went, he went up and down the rows. Could you on, lads? No cheering, nothing. Clapping. Let's go. He says, no, 
Nothing for these ones, nothing at all for these other. Anyway, all primed. There was Joe went on. Anyway, Joe won won the thing, and he he got a cup for it. And the girl that was second was a great singer. You know, she was a well, we, she was kind of known as the Mullingar soprano right. at the time. Yeah. But anyway, she she got five pounds <laughs> or five shillings. Sorry, five shillings yeah. for it. So Joe spent a while, he was trying to sell her the cup for the five bob. You know, like. He wasn't too pleased with his prize. No. No cash. No cash, yeah. That was, but I mean, that was very early. Yeah. Early days. But it's even, even now. So he stood out even then. He did, yeah, because even then a fella came and there was a priest, a priest up in the, up in the, in the, in the thing, brought Joe one night out to a country place out, outside town here. I don't know what whatever he sang out there, he brought like and only only what do you call it? A fella come in in the pub the other day. A fella I know well. He says, I remember the day Joe was out there. He says, I was I crossed the fields. I had a short pants on me. He says, I crossed the fields over. Oh, oh. Like yeah. I mean, that's oh I don't know. That was about nineteen fifty four or something. I don't know when it was. Was way back, you know. Yeah, take us then to um, recording then the, the the first the first song, your first song. Well, I mean, we had the we had we had the band at this stage was was a more more organised band, you know. We had we had uh, Desi Doherty, Jimmy Horn, uh, uh, Tommy Swarbrick, Joy Gilhaney. So I mean, we we had a, we had a, a more organised band at this stage. And uh, we decided to make a record. So we decided, anyway, we'd make the record. We went to uh, Bray to do it. But we were doing, the, the tune we picked out to do was the answer to everything. But anyway, uh, like, I mean, at that stage, I used to sing, which had the country songs. in the, But country songs were popular. But then, I mean, we didn't, like when Joe would sing one, he 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 wouldn't really sing it as a country. He sang it as a song. Yeah. So when we recorded it, we recorded it with the band that day. Joe played the guitar and sang it at the one time. And we all got, we were, we were all set. And in there, the, this part of the, the studio was upstairs and we were downstairs. We used to have to walk up the stairs to hear what it was like. And if it was a mistake, it was down, do it again, do it again. We just got tired after a while. We said, leave it so it's too, because there's one note and Desi Doherty was playing the piano, well, it was a pianist at the time. There was no pianist. Well, all the piano, it was the, it was the beginning of the the portable piano. You know, the, all the pianos were rubbish in all the halls you go to, you know. Yes. But he had this, and he kind of hit one blink in it. But it's on the it's on the original record, that little blink, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, we said, we said it was okay. And then we come home and we decided we'd make this get this record. And the first day it was going to be on the radio. Larry Gogan was the man on the radio. And the first day it was on the radio, I thought to myself, where will I go to hear it? To hear it well, you know. And at the time, we were playing a bit of golf. So I went to most golf course on my own, down, out on the golf course with my portable radio till I'd hear the song played, you know, yeah. that there was no one around, you know, because people were talking and you miss it. Just to you, just a thought it sounded fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me on Mount 
mountain of questions When there is only one answer Trebled your attendance overnight. Yeah. I'd say the next night we played after that was in, in Lawler's, in Nace. And I mean, the crowd went, we'd say, from 200 to probably 400 yeah. or 500. Yeah. I mean, unreal. It was, it was nearly immediate. Like, there was no, there was no bands making, making records, like, you know. But it was like... That was one of the first records, wasn't it? That was one of the first, yeah. Made. But even before, even before that... You, I mean, I used to notice if I was in in the place, like if George sing a song, he'd get a great reception. Then I'd sing a song, and I wouldn't get much of a reception. No, so I decided, well, give George two together. Yeah. Give him three together. Yeah. You know, so I was I was down a bit. I mean, I tell people that today at the show, that when he get a great reception, I get nourished. And you go, oh, next <laughs> thing they can clap the place down for me. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't say it purposely at the beginning, yeah, but, but yeah. now... And then, Ben, there was, you know, drifter mania. <laughs> like, like, things got really crazy after a while. Yeah, well, I mean, as we were going along, like, I mean, he did, he probably did about four four tunes. Mm. Like, then the band... The original we, band split we kind up. Of had a, we had a big foo-faw with the original band. Yeah. But we settled our rows at the time. Formed another I mean, band. No, we didn't. This was this was sixty four. We kind of settled the row at that time, and we said, "Okay, this is what it's going to be for till the band goes out of business," and that went up to sixty eight. And in sixty eight, the row started again. What was what was got? What you, we wanted? Usually over money. <laughs> Correct. There's never anything else. Only yeah, money. Yeah. You know, Johnny Collins was a fellow that says to me one night. He says, Ben, you're going down to our place there, he says. He says, I was with him the other night, and he says to me, he says, we won't fall out over the money. Well, you know, he says, I says to him, is there anything else we could fall out over? <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah. was, yeah. but anyway, we fell out, whatever, it was over, over. The way it was. Divvied up. Divvied up. And that left us, we'll say, with no band. Mm. And that's when we started the new band. And we gathered up Frankie McDonald and uh, who came into the band, uh, Seamus Shannon and Morris Welch, uh, Corky. He was, from, he was from Cork, that's what we called him, Corky, was on, on that. And we had a fellow called, uh, he would have to be a priest after that, McDonald was, uh, Kieran McDonald. Oh, yeah. He was, he was, and Joe and myself, that's, you know, that's the band. Yeah. So I mean, and then you got Seamus Casey as, as well as a manager. Um, no, well, Seamus was in very early. Seamus yeah. was Seamus was our promoter first, right? No, he wasn't. I only knew Seamus Casey. He was a school he, teacher. He was a school teacher. Yeah. Well, his Seamus's father was Casey. My grandmother was Casey. Okay. But we didn't. I mean, we had no. It was years later. I even put the two names together. Whether there were any relation or not, I don't know. You still don't but know. But Seamus, I still didn't know. Only I used to meet Seamus in town of a Saturday night. During that time when you were young, mm -hmm. you'd come in and walk the streets in the town and meet people and chat them. 
Woolworths were in that town. Yeah. You go into Woolworths and you'd be looking at the price of, you know, bowls so much, little clocks and clocks are so much. We knew the price of everything in there, you know. And the women that was working in the place then were all classy looking. Yeah. All the all the there was in you know, Poddy Collar used to work in Helen's Helen's very married, you know. Her sister used to work in oh, Woolworths really? But anyway there the you you be known you get to just know people people around town. Now Joe kind of wouldn't be with me that time in the earlier days going to town of a Saturday. He wouldn't be he wouldn't be let go, you know. Yeah, at home. I can know. Now the remarkable story of Ben and Joe's life is just beginning. And in part two, Ben will share many more memories that take us through the highs of show business to Joe's final moment in the spotlight. This has been My Country Life, a Sunday World podcast. This episode was produced by Ian Malini, and the theme music is Rose Gold Renegades by Jesse Frisell. If you enjoyed this episode, do consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, I'm Eddie Rowley, and this is My Country Life. <laughs>